You're listening to the Woman Power Zone podcast with host Ariel Hubbard, empath, energy worker, and massage therapist who shares secrets and stories of women's empowerment, learned from over 32 years of working in holistic healing arts and talking with thousands of women about their amazing life stories. If you are seeking ways to grow, pivot, heal, and up-level your life, you are in the right place. Here is your host, Ariel Hubbard. Welcome to Woman Power Zone. In today's episode, we're looking at the power of business boundaries with Jennifer Kennett, psychotherapist and business coach. If you have not heard of business boundaries, you could be paying a price. And we're learning about how to set boundaries and the cost of not having them. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Woman Power Zone, a safe space for learning, growing, healing, and empowerment. Today, we are talking about how important the power of boundaries applies to the business world. Jennifer Kennett is a psychotherapist and a business coach. I've known her for years, and she is educating us about business boundaries, how to set them, and how to communicate about them. Welcome, Jennifer. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Ariel. I am so glad to be here. Me too, because you know a lot of really interesting information. Now, I've done a podcast about boundaries before, but those were energetic boundaries. And we're talking about business boundaries today. And I'd like to know, what are those? What are business boundaries? Well, you know, I'd say there's a lot of connection between energetic boundaries and business boundaries. Um, But the easiest way to think about business boundaries are those are all the ways in which you want to set expectations with potential clients and clients in order for you to be able to show up as your best self. And so it it encompasses a lot of different areas. Can you give us an example of some of the areas that it covers? So I would say that time boundaries, money boundaries, um, how you want clients to contact you, how you want to take them through the the business process, all of those require boundaries. Uh, It it also boundaries with yourself. Are you going to be working five days a week, seven days a week, you know, 52 weeks a year, or are you going to set boundaries with yourself that are going to actually be healthy? And that those boundaries that you set with yourself also have to be set with your clients. And so many entrepreneurs walk into the entrepreneur space without thinking about what are the boundaries that I need to set in my life with my clients, with, with my employees, with contractors in order for me to show up as my best self? Or how about business partners and making uh, contracts between business partners about what the expectations are? I, I'm sure you've heard this in your practice where somebody provides a sweat equity and somebody provides the money. And there's inevitably some kind of conflict because they never spelled anything out. You've seen that, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, To be completely honest, business partnerships are one of the most complex relationships that are out there because they're like a marriage without any of the emotional connection or or, um, willingness to to give each other the benefit of the doubt. Those that 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 ability to say this person is my person is much easier to erode within a business relationship. So absolutely, those business boundaries are doubly important. And my guess is the energetic boundaries would be as well. Hey, everybody, if you're loving this show and you want to make a difference, please go to Apple Podcast Ratings and give the show a five-star rating. Thanks so much. It's appreciated.
obvious boundaries that people can set? You know, I think that the one that comes most readily to, to people's mind are time boundaries. Mm -hmm. uh, they're also one of the easiest to ignore. And, and I, one of the things that I do with my clients is uh, when, when I'm starting to work on somebody starting a private practice is how much time do you want to be working? And I get a huge range. Um, I get people saying, oh, you know, I'm, I love doing clinical work. I I'm willing to see 40 clients in a week. And I'm like, time out. That's not what I asked. I asked, how much time do you want to be working on your business? And yes, seeing clients is a part of that. But what about all the other pieces? Right. You know, I just renewed my business license and they have a workforce survey mm -hmm. and they ask questions about how people run their businesses. And one of them, and they actually have you spell out how much time do you spend doing your appointments versus other tasks like marketing, like, you know, like cleanup organization, like paperwork. Mm -hmm. But they actually ask those questions. How many hours a week are you spending on those things? Which mm -hmm. I thought was great. And I've never seen it on that survey before. I don't remember that being on the survey before. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really great. And I think a lot of people going into business don't realize there are a lot of other tasks other than the thing for which you are known for or what you're selling exactly you know, to the general world. And, and people don't realize that. My general heuristic for, for new entrepreneurs and particularly new therapists in private practice is you should plan to spend an hour of time doing administrative work for every hour of face-to-face -face client work. Wow. That's some significant, exactly. you know, that's a significant um, ratio. It is. And that's, that's, I would say in the first couple of years, because you're setting up your systems. And if somebody walks in thinking, oh, you know, my admin time, that'll be, that'll be maybe, you know, 15 minutes a day. And I'm like, oh, honey, that's not going to work. You are going to get yourself into so much trouble so quickly. Now, there's, there are people that I've worked with who found very quickly that that one-to-one -one ratio was, was an overestimate. I'd rather you have an overestimate than an underestimate, though, when it comes to admin time, because that means that they had space to add more clients versus having to steal time, break their own boundary, and be taking time from their family, from their self-care, from their sleep, any number of things. Absolutely. So Absolutely. That's one boundary. It's, a, it's an easy one for people to think about. It's also a really easy one for people to get wrong. Good point. The other part is setting up contact points. These days, I'm, I've had clients text me at six o'clock in the morning. It's mm -hmm. like, really? Really? <laughs> There's another time business, uh, time business boundary and yes. a communication business boundary. Yes. So here's an example of, of a, a, a communication business boundary. As a therapist, I hate getting voicemails because I have to find the time to return the call and hope that that person will answer that call. Otherwise we're playing telephone tag. So a, a, an initial contact can take over an hour of back and forth versus me simply saying on my voicemail, I do not respond to voicemails. If you want to reach me, please email me. Here's my email address, or you can text me on this number. Those two things are communicating a boundary to my potential clients. They're saying, this is how you reach me. If you don't, if you're not willing to do this, you will not access me. 
I love it. And of course, I left you a long, long voicemail last night, which is funny because I never do that. <laughs> Friends are different. Friends are different. That's a, that's a different boundary. That's hilarious. So, um, okay. So we talked about time boundaries, mm-hmm. we talked about communication boundaries a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what about money boundaries? <laughs> this one is my favorite. This one really gets into all of our money story. And again, when I'm working with a new therapist who's starting their private practice, I often ask the very simple question of what do you need to make for your, your life to be sustainable? And I often get that that, that, that therapist wants to make somewhere between 60 and $75,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That's not an unreasonable thing to say. Then I say, okay, is that revenue or take-home income? And if it's take-home income, is that before or after taxes? And their eyes go wide. And I say, well, you need to know that because your eventual price that you're going to set for your, your clients is going to be dependent on how much you're wanting to make and what you need to make. So I want to know what your ideal is, but I also need to know what your minimum is. And so... So you're giving this example for therapists, but this applies for anybody and any business. Absolutely. It's like it's, and so we've got the gross income, right? Then we have to subtract out expenses. Yeah. Right. And then, then one of the, the expenses is their pay and that's their net pay. And you and I have talked about some of the programs you've studied where they talk about paying yourself first. Yep. Right. And that, that's part of the business boundary is, are you willing to be kind of dealing with whatever's left over as your income? And for me, a business boundary is hell no. I would rather know that I'm getting paid and that my expenses have to, to deal with the squeeze than me dealing with the squeeze. Correct. But it's also about when a client calls and, say, and, and I say my rate and they're like, oh, that's... Do, do you offer a sliding scale? I have to say, well, I have one sliding scale spot on my caseload and it's full. That's a boundary as well. And that's a good answer too. Mm-hmm. It, it shows that number one, you're willing to accommodate somebody, but mm-hmm. not absolutely everybody because everyone is going to want to say that because a lot of people don't when you're working, when you're working as a practitioner, a lot of the general public doesn't, they don't know what goes into you becoming that practitioner. They don't know your education expenses, your time, your effort, all your years of experience. There are always reasons why people charge what they charge. Absolutely. Right? Yes. And you know what? The general public doesn't need to know that if you're holding a healthy boundary about your, your rates. And the, yeah. what I see is often a, a, you know, a practitioner will justify the rate that they've presented by mm-hmm. talking about all of those things. It's not relevant to the client, mm-hmm. really. It's about holding that boundary and saying, this is my rate. And knowing that you are okay with saying that number, that's a business boundary with yourself. Good point. And when people honor their business boundaries with themselves, do you think that their mental health is better? Hugely. Yeah. Because it, it, it removes the resentment that builds up when you, when you're, and that's actually for me, a really good indicator that a person's not holding healthy business boundaries. If they are describing a sense of resentment within their business, 
And that's how you know that that's an area where you might coach someone. A hundred percent. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's, so how, so um, I, I'm sorry, did I interrupt you? I just was going to say, and that's where I see the energetic connection because ah. if, if you are resenting your business or resenting the clients in your business, all of a sudden you're creating this energetic lockdown of it's, it's like you're, you're grabbing on and pushing away at the same time. And that's not going to, to, to work in the energetic world, let alone in the, in the mundane world. No, because, because the, the energy, you can't have a, you can't have a double bind like that and be successful. You won't continue to attract great clients. If you have this negativity about how you feel about them. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm thinking about the hardest boundaries people have a hard time setting. Like, what are you thinking? You know, it's, it's interesting. I think there, there, there are some differences depending on the field you're in, but I think most of the service industry money um, boundaries are a huge one because it, it goes into our sense of worth We're we're told in our society that how much you make is equivalent to how, how valuable you are, which is not true. Um, you know, the fact is that, that an NBA player who's making millions of dollars a year is not more valuable than the massage therapist or the, you know, the doctor, or for that matter, the, the, the psychotherapist who is providing a safe and healing environment. It's just that our society has put a, an arbitrary message out there of this is important and this is not important, but that doesn't actually mean anything. So as a, as a therapist, I have had to learn how to put that number out there and be okay with people saying no. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've learned to celebrate people saying no, because it opens the door to somebody enthusiastically saying yes, which means that I can show up as, as my best self. I love that. Well, I actually, I actually wonder about NBA players. I wonder if some of that salary is part of, they know that they only have a certain like three or four years of time. And it's kind of like they're compressing an entire career of like 30 years into three years. And so the money is that price point because of the amount of time they're not working because they can't work in that business that long. I don't know if there's truth to that, but I wonder. I think that's a component for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think that our society has some pretty skewed. Um, oh, I agree a hundred percent with you. I just totally agree with that. A lot of people in the service industry also have challenges with money because they're also given a message that they shouldn't charge very much. Yes. And that's a huge piece. And it's something to do with your amoral or excuse me, your immoral. If you charge a lot of money for doing service work, good work, good work, good serve, good work. And, and, And I mean that in a, I'm using that phrase very deliberately because the concept of good works has its roots in the Protestant work ethic. And unfortunately, the message has been, this is an Eurocentric colonized perspective, which is I, as a white person, should be helping out those less fortunate than me who are often of a different color than me. Um, And I should be doing this because it is God's work and I should be bringing them to, I mean, I'm gonna gonna barf here. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) that, the, the, the core of that has, become embedded in the nonprofit industry, which is where a lot of these services are, are working. 
And so when you've got somebody like you and I who's stepped out of that nonprofit world mm -hmm. and is saying, I am going to stand in my truth and, and value myself, the, the, the society starts tangling us up with, oh, but, but what you're doing is good work and to make money at it means you are immoral, which usually has unfortunately some anti-Semitic connections too. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I just thinking about what you're saying and yes, I can completely see that connection. So for me, this is this has some roots in decolonizing the the service industry and the and the healing industry. Very interesting. You always bring up such great points. I'm so glad you brought these up because I see it I see it in the healing realm massage therapists, Reiki practitioners, reflexologists, holistic health practitioners, clinical hypnotherapists, they <laughs> all have the same kind of thinking. I've spent decades trying to get people to change their thinking about money. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a thing. The other thing is there's some patriarchal elements to this too. Oh, hugely. Because these are overwhelmingly women <laughs> and you know, God forbid women make a lot of money in yeah. a patriarchal society. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and yeah. I think the other piece that, that is, is important to acknowledge is that um, if we are expecting ourselves to, to be in this model of, I can do good work and make money, we have to stand in that, in that, um, in opposition to the, that patriarchal and colonizer perspective and name it and keep naming it. Mm -hmm. Now that's, I think that's the hard piece is people are like, oh, but then, then you're buying into capitalism. I'm like, yeah, I am in some ways. That's the system that's here. But right. I, what I've come, come to is if I am filling my cup first and it overflows, I have so much more to give. Than if I am dumping my cup out and then waiting for it to be refilled and dumping my cup out and waiting for it to be refilled. Well, and that's a universal law of giving and receiving. And right. there has to be a reciprocation, which again, leads us back to when we're talking about boundaries and why people feel resentful is because there's a depletion in the receiving and that then they don't want to give to their clients, which is what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation. Yeah. So there, it's tying into... There needs to be a reciprocation of energy, however that shows up and money being one of the ways that we use that. So we can't blame people for wanting to use money because that's the tool that we use to exchange energy all over the world. So exactly, that's not capitalistic. That's, that's what people do. They used to barter. Now they use money, right. whatever form, whether it's, you know, crypto or it's, it's, you know, a credit card or whatever way they use it, it's still a form of exchange. And so here's the thing, that's again, boundaries. There has to be a balance, right? Between the giving and the receiving, right? right? And so when people are talking about their pricing as a money boundary, they're just communicating, this is what I need in order for, for you to have access to my time, energy and effort, right? And exactly. so that's, that's what that is versus something that's, you know, that someone else says that it's not. So, so we're going to take a break here in just a minute. And when we come back from the break, Jennifer is going to educate us about the cost of failing to communicate about boundaries. So we're going to take a quick break. Are you experiencing overwhelm, frustration, frustration? 
stress or anxiety? Do you need help with insomnia? Well, contact Ariel Hubbard at Hubbard Health Solutions. Ariel offers 25 modalities to help you move forward. You can deal with the pandemic and still experience balance and calm. Contact Ariel at arielhubbard.com. That's arielhubbard.com. And we're back. So, Jennifer, what's the cost of failing to communicate about boundaries? Well, I think you, you actually touched on it before the break, which is it can lead to resentment. But even more important, it can lead to the failure of your business. And what is it? 80% of businesses fail in the first five years. I think it's, yeah, maybe even higher with COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our, our life expectancy has gone down and my guess is our business failure rate has gone up. Um, <laughs> I bet it has. Yeah. I think, I think there's, there's, there's a couple of pieces that I want to tease out. One is you need to understand and articulate your own boundaries to yourself first. And so the first step is awareness. And that's why I really think it's important for, for business owners to think about what are the areas that I can see myself feeling resentful about. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Because those are, those are the areas where boundaries need to be clarified. Yep. And then it's about, yeah, asking that question, how am I going to communicate these boundaries? And, and there's a number of different ways you can do it. One is verbally. Another is, is in how you set up your, your systems for taking a prospect through to a client. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what I like to, I, I actually, I will storyboard this with clients, um, with like business co- coaching clients. What do you want your client to experience or your potential client to experience from the moment they first become aware of you mm-hmm. through to the point where they say yes. And in every step, you're going to be setting some boundaries about that. It can be, this is who, who I work with and this is who I don't work with. Scope of practice. That's a business boundary. It's how you're going to reach out to me and how I'm going to respond to you. That's a business boundary. When you can reach out to me and when I will respond to you, that's a business boundary. Mm-hmm. How, how we negotiate the, the, the terms of our contract. And that might be, here's my fee and here's my schedule, like mine is. Um, but even in that, I will communicate to my, my clients when I'm first meeting with them. I expect therapy is going to take at least you know, eight to 12 sessions for it to, to really see some, some impact. And my recommendation is that we, the first eight sessions be weekly. It's harder to do the work that you want to do if you spread it out. That's me setting a boundary. Mm-hmm. Some of the, the boundaries that, that I have, I put into, into writing as policies. So I have a, a social media policy on my website. I have a diversity statement on my website. Those are also ways I communicate boundaries. And if any of those get challenged, that's a red flag for me. It's telling me that this person that wants to work with me wants me to adjust to their needs without being willing to adjust to mine. I'm going to jump in with another example. So a lot of us in the health field or in hair or dentistry, Mm -hmm. we've had to create questionnaires for COVID symptoms, yes, we've had to wear masks. Mm-hmm. We've had to t- check temperatures. Those are pretty standard things. Yep. But what I've always noticed, and other people too, is if a client gives pushback about those basic safety steps, 
they're not wanting to respect the boundary. And I've had to say, this is mandated by the Department of Health mm-hmm. for me to practice my business. Right. Yes, you do have to wear a mask the entire treatment. Mm-hmm. No, lying face down and taking your mask off is not okay. You're still breathing air. This mm-hmm. air the air is still the same in, in the room. I'm trying not to laugh as I'm saying this. <laughs> it's hard sometimes. <laughs> Try not to sound sassy. But the point is, like a lot of people in different businesses, they've had a set of boundary of, yes, you will fill out this form. Yes, you will wear, you will wear a mask. Yes, you will have your temperature taken mm-hmm. because that's number one mandated by the Department of Health in those different professions, a lot of them, or yeah. maybe the Department of Cosmetology. And then also it's just a boundary for safety for the people in that business. Absolutely. And I mean, it's wonderful that we can we can throw the Department of Health under the bus and say it's their problem. It's harder to hold a boundary when it's our boundary personally, but it's still important. And and yeah, I mean, I know therapists who've had to fire clients over that issue. Um, yeah. where they, so they, the, cost of, the cost is people, clients making people sick because the client didn't respect the boundary yeah. of the, the, the person who was providing the service as an example, but what other costs are there? I mean, you, you beautifully laid out some different boundaries. Um, What are some of the other costs that people have? Well, I think that that the cost that I see is, is, is actually a boundary creep. So this is, this is not the really clear cut. This person is going to, to contravene my boundaries. It's, it's the client who is established and then who cancels maybe 15 hours ahead instead of 24 and then gets upset when they then when you charge them a late fee or the person who calls at 630 in the evening when you've said I'm not answering the the call after you know 5pm those sorts of things and and on an on a rare occasion in an emergency situation I'm very glad that I can be flexible about those things. But if I see that pattern of creep. I'm the one who has to take control of it. And that, because otherwise, again, I'm going to be resentful and it's going to steal time and energy from the other parts of my life that are important. Mm-hmm. And here's where I see the, the, the biggest challenge with that boundary creep. It's not that people are asking, it's how the person who set the boundary is responding to it. Interesting. So if you've got a client who's calling it at, you know, 6 p.m., uh, or, or even a potential client, and you answer the phone, who broke that boundary? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Yes. You know, there, there are ways of setting those boundaries and holding those boundaries and not holding your own boundaries, to me, is a very, very simple way, not only to feel resentful, but also to make yourself sick. Yes. And sending yourself messages to, um, subconsciously that you're not valuable or the and like you said, physical health issues could show up as a result of that. Exactly. So that is, if that's a cost for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, and, and it also impacts your reputation. I mean, this is, this is another interesting place. And, and I would say that consistency in boundaries affects your reputation more than, than what boundaries you set. So again, if, if I say, this is how I work, and then I'm chaotic about following my own system you know if i say i charge for for late cancellations but then i'm late canceling on a regular basis 
I'm not, I'm not respecting my client's time or my boundary, and that will affect my reputation. My client comes away from it not feeling safe. And I, I think that's a really important piece to highlight. Boundaries are about creating safety for you as the business owner and for your client. And I would argue that the clients that I work with on the, ther on the therapy side feel very safe with me because they know that I will, I will honor my commitments. They know what my commitments are. I'm transparent about them. If I'm going to cancel, I will, I will cancel with as much time as possible. If I cancel within a 24-hour period and it's unavoidable, I will often offer a free session. Like Those are the ways that I am trying to create an equitable exchange that allows them to feel like I am safe. And that's where they can show up authentically and do good work within the therapeutic space because I've created safety outside of the therapeutic space. Right. And that taps into honoring conceptual boundaries, which are not part of our regular conversation today, but they have to do with people, their concept of reality. And mm -hmm. some of that is like you've given them boundaries, you told them this is how it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And then you do what you say you're going to do. Then their conceptual boundaries and their emotional boundaries are being respected. So yeah. that's also really important. There are a lot of different types of boundaries as we've <laughs> discovered from having our conversation today. Uh, Jennifer, I want to thank you for your very profound and insightful information. How can our listeners reach you and what other services do you provide for people? That's a great question. So I primarily do couples counseling on the therapeutic side, and that is through Eastside Couples Therapy, uh, and the website's www.eastsidecouplestherapy.com. I unfortunately am full as a, a, a clinician at this point. Um, I am also a private practice coach, and I can be reached through my website, privatepracticealchemy.com. In that case, uh, scenario, I'm working again, primarily with therapists, although I will work with other healthcare practitioners on starting or growing their practice. I do both long-term coaching as well as one-off consultations on a particular issue. And then I also provide supervision for newly licensed psychotherapists who are interested in getting their full licensure. Um, unfortunately, Given, given COVID, and I suppose because I'm, I'm good at what I do, I'm full in most of those places. I can, I can do one-off consults for coaching at this point, and um, I may have space for a new supervisee uh, within the next few months. But you never know when people are going to be listening to this podcast. So exactly, we'll put your contact information in the show notes, and if they need to reach you, you know they can reach out. And Absolutely. if you're available, you're available. It'll be great. Do you have any other tips or insights you'd like to share with us before we finish up for today? I think the piece that we haven't, we've touched on indirectly is not just setting boundaries, but how people receive boundaries. And I think as a therapist, that's something I pay a lot of attention to is it is my job to set a boundary, but how the other person responds and shows up in, in receiving that boundary tells me a lot about the potential for that relationship and, and where I, you know, how, how firm I'm going to have to be on my boundaries. Somebody who's able to accept a boundary with grace is much more likely to establish an ongoing collaborative relationship than somebody who is affronted by 
a boundary that I set. And so naturally my mind goes to dating and it goes to parenting and it goes to, you know, other areas of life yep. where what you just said completely applies. You know, if you're dealing with the tween and you set a boundary and they ignore it, or you set a boundary with dating and they ignore it, or, you know, even driving in traffic you mm-hmm. and people ignore it, you know, they're, it's absolutely. It, it, what you just said is great advice or great, a great something for us to pay attention to. And what I will say about te- uh, teens and tweens, I see parents um, not receiving boundaries from their teenagers as often as I see teenagers not receiving their boundaries from their parents. Oh, no, that's interesting. Huh. So you, the only way you can, you can teach good boundary re- reception is to do it, mm-hmm. is to model it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so right. that's, that's a provocative way to st- stop this. I, but. I know, right? But that's something for us to think about as we finish up our pod today. Next, next time I will come and talk about receiving bit boundaries. I know it's great. So, okay, everybody, I want to say thank you to you, Jennifer Kenneth. Thank you for coming and sharing your insight and your wisdom. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Remember to move from your power and into your magnificence. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. podcast is sponsored by Hubbard Education Group, creating wellness through education. If you've wanted to learn about being an empath, healing, energy work, consciousness, or massage, we have online and in-person courses for you. Find us on Facebook at Hubbard Education Group, that's Hubbard Education Group, or go to www.arielhubbard.com. That's www.arielhubbard.com. And if you're on Clubhouse, you can find Ariel Hubbard by looking up Ariel Hubbard, A-R-I-E-L-H-U-B-B-A-R-D.